Welcome to Passionate and Prosperous, the only podcast about creating success in your life and business by using your voice, gifts, and skills to do the work that lights you up, make money, and have massive impact in the world. This show teaches coaches, creatives, and service-oriented human beings how to trust in yourself and leverage your unique message, experience, and expertise to attract your ideal audience, create clients, and organically build your soul-aligned business. I'm your host, mindset and business strategy coach, Stacey Brass Russell, and I can't wait to help you to set yourself up for success and use your passion to create the prosperous life and business that you truly desire. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Passionate and Prosperous. We have a pretty fun episode today, if I do say so myself. Today, we are actually going to be talking about the relationship or the similarities between cooking and having your business. So one of the things that I thought about when I created the um, title for the show, Passionate and Prosperous, one of the things that inspired me was that for many, many years that I taught yoga, I would show up to the classroom and sit down in the beginning of class and talk a little bit. Some people call it like a Dharma talk, but I always felt like it was a really nice way to begin class because when people are walking in to a yoga class, they're coming from wherever in their life. And in New York City, usually it's that they were rushing or were having train problems <laughs> or were like trying to get out of work or, you know, whatever. And so um, I always thought about the beginning of class as this important time to like center everyone and kind of like gather the energy and then also help everybody get into some sort of a like a mindset or a groove for the class or a theme, right? And so I would always come prepared with something that I wanted to share and talk about. And it was always very important to me to make that in some way relatable to yoga, (laughs) you know, that, that, that would make sense. And so I have a very, very, I think, passionate life. And even, even throughout all the years that I, struggled to make money. I was a struggling, starving actress, a struggling, starving yoga teacher um, that, you know, throughout my entire like life, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, regardless of whatever the my financial situation was, I always found ways to do things like in life that lit me up, that like kind of fueled my passion, that that I really loved. I always found a way. I always found a way to, you know, see a show or go to a concert or eat in a restaurant that I really wanted to eat in. Um, I love food. And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, And when I would go into yoga class, a lot of times what I would use as my sort of like opening story would sometimes be something that like I had encountered or experienced in my life and and that I had some sort of like new awareness or it touched me in a way or, you know, it opened me or made me think a certain way or I had some, you know, amazing experience. Like 
I love going, for example, to the museums, right? And we have a lot of museums in New York City, and I love going to museums and looking at whether it's, you know, paintings or I like in particular, like objects, you know, like like small sculptures or or pieces of pottery or whatever that are behind glass cases and and you know it's from like you like I don't know 500 BC right and then there it is it's right there in front of me it's like the only thing between me and this thing from so long ago is glass and my this has always really made me feel this this indescribable relationship to time. It's like a a felt sense of like what time really means rather than trying to intellectualize it. Because when I try to think with my outgoing front brain about time and how long time is and how far away the stars are and all of that, it makes my head want to explode in a good way. Like I love it. But anyway, so I would come into yoga and I would talk about this incredible one night only performance that I saw of something or, you know, or what I just said, like an experience I had in a museum or some sort of like mind blowing musical thing, or even just like bringing in a poem, like a, a piece of poetry that when I read it, it, it feels like something to me. It's, it's saying something in a way that I might not be able to say it like with my own words. So people would, first of all, tell me how much they loved my class because of that part, right? And then also people would always say to me, um, I, you know, I can't believe you, 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 you do all these things. How do you know about them? Because often I would have some experience. I'd have gone to see something or do something that was then over, And everyone in the room, even though I was sharing this exceptional, incredible experience, everyone in the room wouldn't be able to go out and do it. Sometimes they could. But very often it was like this, like, you know, thing that was now over and people would feel all bummed and disappointed. And it's kind of what started my whole brand about how important it is to to make a huge effort to do the things in your life, like to know about them, to schedule them. That was the other thing that has had, that happens all the time. It's one of the reasons why my husband and I are like a perfect match is, um, I would find out about something that you had to get the tickets for. And it was three months, you know, in advance. And I'd reach out to some friends is before I knew my husband and say, Hey, do you want to do this? And I mean, inevitably, everyone was like, I can't plan that far in advance. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in three months. Right. And then what happens? It gets sold out. I go. No one else has a ticket. (laughs) Right. And so I would really talk a lot about the importance of making sure that you do these things, that you put them on your calendar. Life has to be planned. Not everything in life can be spontaneous go with the flow. You're going to miss out on some shit if that's how you're operating, right? Stuff gets sold out. Things are one night only or whatever. Some things have to be planned. So it it really was the beginning or the origin of the name of the show, Passionate and Prosperous. 
is all about like making sure that you're living your passionate life, which means that you're doing all the extracurricular things that you're, you know, that your business is actually, well, first of all, hopefully your business is one of the things that you're passionate about. And then especially that you're always filling that passion cup of yours, right? That you're always doing things that stir your soul, that you're doing things that nurture and feed like that, that spark inside of you, that thing that keeps you excited and lit up and makes you feel alive, right? There's, there's nothing worse than, than a person who's gotten complacent and jaded and doesn't get excited anymore and doesn't really have that like passionate go-getter, go out there and do things energy. That's going to be reflected in your business, right? That's, definitely going to be what your business is going to look and feel like. So with that, I'm going to tell you that one of my really big passions is food, eating it, but also cooking it. So both. I'm really passionate about both. And the way that my passion shows up is that, first of all, I am a, I am a, um, like an, a, a, a committed, passionate home cook. Before I became a yoga teacher, which you know I was a yoga teacher because I mentioned it a lot, um, I actually considered going to culinary school. I actually considered going and becoming a chef. I, I never wanted to own my own restaurant, but what I thought I wanted to do was have a catering company because I love events and entertaining. I love putting together the party and the whole um, the atmosphere. I've always loved hosting dinner parties. I love entertaining. I love entertaining people. I love giving people an experience, something where they just feel like where they're eating delicious food, where the environment is amazing and they're the, like it makes them it makes them feel special. Um, I just love this so much and it probably relates to that also it's why I love being a performer. It's also why I love being a yoga teacher because I used to treat my yoga classes the same way. Like I used to treat my yoga classes as this as this experience that I wanted to give people from the minute they walked in the door that I would have music playing when everyone came in to find their spot and then like I'd begin the class like I just told you with this you know sharing of a story and 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 setting up the setting it up right the setup and then I even always treated my yoga classes, um, not like dance. When I use the word choreograph, I never, I don't like yoga classes where people think that it's supposed to be like dance, but like where the, where the choreograph, the sequencing it's called of the class was like something that like began small and simple and evolved and grew and sort of turned into the like the the peak of the class and then took it back down and adjusting the lighting and always having the most amazing playlist for the class that really took everyone on this journey and wanting that that rest at the end of class to be exquisite so that when you got up from this class every cell in your being felt like you had taken this incredible you know cosmic ride right this cosmic journey and i I think that I have a passion for creating those kinds of experiences in numerous ways. 
it's how I always thought about and will think about because I will do my own show again. How I think about the arc of taking someone, you know, through like when I would do my club at, you know, do a show in a nightclub and then the yoga class. And then how I think about the experience of having people over and entertaining and having a dinner party and all of that. Right. So. So there's the, 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 the doing it, the cooking and the serving and whatever. And then, of course, there's like I have I, I love food, like amazing food, not shitty food. I love good food. And that doesn't mean that it's only like fine dining. That counts like I love really good pizza. <laughs> I love a really good hot dog. Um, I love a really good bagel. Uh, but also, you know, like fine dining. And I love cooking and I cook here from my husband and I like all the time, especially because he has an office in our building and I work from home. I make lunch almost every day. Um, not that that's a gourmet thing, but even like salads. I'm really, really picky about salads. So soups and salads, I think, are things that need to be done really well or they suck. So now I'm going to tell you about the story of today. So, because I wanted to set up the cooking passion. Um, so I had this really great experience this weekend. And just like the way I would have experiences that would make me want to come in and theme a yoga class, I was like, this experience is going to make a really good episode. So I'm going to give you a little bit of this set. Well, first, I'm going to tell you what it was. So this weekend on Saturday, I got to go to a, a, um, a new restaurant that's not open yet, right? So like a, an under construction restaurant that's about to be a new restaurant in August. Right now, I'm talking to you on the day before July 4th, July 3rd. So um, that's when I'm recording this. And I, we, my husband and I are very good friends with a couple that owned a really big deal restaurant here in New York City that had three stars from the New York Times. And their restaurant, that restaurant closed a few months ago um, because their business partner didn't want to have a restaurant anymore. It was very sad and weird. They made it all through the pandemic. And then this guy was like, yeah, he was like the rich guy that gave the money. And then he was like, he didn't want to have the restaurant anymore. Okay. So cut to, they find a new space they go through months of, you know, negotiation, blah, blah, blah. They get this space. They buy this space. Now they have a new restaurant and it's opening in about a month. And right now it's under construction. But they had a lot of regulars from the old restaurant and a lot of investors that like wanted to support them opening a new restaurant. And so what they've been doing over the last few weeks in this sort of like completely unfinished space has been that they're having, they've been having a couple of like kind of quiet, we were calling it secret dinners, secret dinners where they were inviting small, small groups of people, investors and big supporters to the restaurant for like small dinner parties, just to sort of also warm up the space and bring good energy into the space and kind of make the transition because the, the, the old space had a really different energy, different owner energy, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so the last time we were with them, I, okay. So, so, so what I got to do this weekend was I got to cook 
in the new in that kitchen in the big you know restaurant kitchen with my friend Chip the chef who's like a New York Times three star chef um, and we made a dinner together. So now I just want to give you a little bit of the backstory, which was um, my husband Christopher knew this couple before he knew me, so he was already friends with them. Chip and Tina. He met them when he was he went to eat in their restaurant randomly in um, South Carolina or North Carolina, wherever the Outer Banks are, and uh, met them, thought the food was incredible. My husband was in the restaurant industry at the time and like befriended them. They start, struck up a friendship. And then when Christopher and I started dating and we were together, um, they were starting to explore opening a restaurant in New York City. So they were spending more time in the city. They were up here for a little while. They were getting the lay of the land. We met and hung out with them very casually, like one or two times at like not really great fancy restaurants or anything. And then now Christopher and I had moved in together. We were living together. And then Christopher goes, I want to have Chip and Tina over for dinner. Now I'm going to do a dramatic pause here. Because, yes, it is true. My husband wanted to invite this, like, Jedi chef, (laughs) like a super, like a French-trained, like, professional, big-deal chef and his wife, who's a sommelier and, like, you know, a hospitality queen to our apartment for dinner. And you should just know that that meant me cooking the dinner. My husband doesn't cook. He's really good at the wine and the front of the house and the service and all that. He loves that. But I'm the cook. And he wanted them to come over for 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 dinner. And I was, like, horrified. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you think I'm going to cook dinner for these people that I don't really know and that are top-level, like, restaurant people, and Chip is this, like, you know, crazy chef. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) But I agreed, and we set the date, and I took a month. I am not even kidding you, a month to, like, plan the menu and to make sure— I mean, and I love planning dinner parties, just so you know. Like, the minute I know I'm having people over, I get—I can't—like, sometimes I, I actually don't do work— Not with my clients. I never, like, do anything bad with my clients. But, like, if I know that I'm having people over, I will literally, like, procrastinate doing important things in my business, like working on something that my assistant needs, like an email or content or whatever, to sit and, like, daydream about my menu and make my list of my ingredients. (laughs) So that's something you should know about me. So anyway, we have this, I plan, we have them over. I make this incredible dinner. It was really great. It was like a very high level. I made, if I remember correctly, I made leeks vinaigrette and I made um, like rack of lamb. And anyway, it was like an amazing dinner and I survived. And then, of course, we ended up becoming really good friends with them and would go to their restaurant when it opened. They, They eventually did open a restaurant here in New York City, as I said. And then also their restaurant, their only night off from their restaurant was Sunday. So very often we would make dinner plans with them as couples to go to, to go out on Sunday nights because that was the only time they could go out to restaurants. And then the interesting thing that started happening was they started saying that they would rather come over to our house than go out on their night off 
because they started to love my, I mean, they did love my, they love my cooking. They love my cooking. And this is one of the like biggest honors of my whole fucking life. I'm not even kidding you. Like the fact that they want to come here and eat my cooking, my food. I can't even tell you. Like it's, it's as good as you guys wanting to listen to my podcast. <laughs> okay. So cut to now, you know, and I never, I never, you know, and Chip would always joke with me and be like, when do you want to come work in the kitchen? You know, at the restaurant. And I'd be like, I, you know, it's tempting, but I don't think that ultimately I really want to do that for my living. Um, but like whenever they come over to eat, like, you know, Chip's always asking me about how, what I, you know, what I made and every, it's just great. It's really, really great. It's really fun for me. Okay. So they're opening this new restaurant and we decide this is the first time ever that Chip and I are going to cook together. We're going to cook this dinner party and they invite a couple that's like one of their investors. And we invite some other friends of ours that love to food and eat and whatever. And so we're going to have this like little, I am telling you the space is under construction. It was demo, demo, demolished, demoed. And then like we were eating on one beautiful table set for eight with like paper on the floor and like steel beams like that are uncovered because they're starting to like put in new walls and you know, it was really like a construction zone. And we set this like really pretty table. And so Chip and I planned our menu and we wanted to make it you know, very family style just because of, you know, like the restaurant's not really open. Um, so I got to show up there on Saturday and like we had already, basically I got to plan the menu <laughs> and we had already, I had told, we made pork shoulder and I had told um, Chip what I wanted the marinade to be. And he had marinated the pork on Friday and then he had put it in the oven because I wasn't going to go there at like 10 in the morning and be there for, you know, 13 hours. But I show up in the afternoon and we proceeded to like make um, this like amazing meal of we made, um, I made a snap pea radish ricotta salada like salad because snap peas and radishes are in season right now and we made a like a, a shrimp in a like um paprika like a spanish everything was very latin a spanish style shrimp that we made with focaccia bread and then for dinner we did this pork shoulder and we made um beans and we made rice and i made this vegetable slaw and we made pickled red onions it was just like incredible and I was with Chip all day and I was not intimidated because now he's like my really good friend. But I was a little bit nervous because, first of all, like we weren't using recipes. I love recipes and I do a lot of my weeknight. I, I like mix it up. Sometimes I'm like, let me use a recipe. I want to see how this comes out. And then other times I really am just an intuitive cook. But um, when I was there with Chip, we were like just cooking and we were tasting as we go, whatever. And he'd be like, you know, what do you think this needs? And like, even though like I have a really good palate and know what I'm talking about, I would get a little bit nervous to say what I thought, you know, I'd be like, I think it needs this. So it was really fun. It was really interesting. And it really sparked this like fun idea for me to come and talk to you because this is something that I do all the time. I cook all the time. And I made an episode during the pandemic. I had never made sourdough bread. 
And I'm sure that this is not going to come as a surprise because the, everyone in the universe started making sourdough bread. And the reason I started making sourdough bread, just so that we're clear, is that I was perfectly happy to make bread with yeast at first, okay? Um, baking bread, pandemic-style activity. Um, I was very happy to like start baking bread. And what happened was there was a yeast shortage. Literally, you could not get yeast. And so that's what made me decide to like try sourdough baking. And I created a starter and I started baking sourdough and I became obsessed. And I actually have an episode on how sourdough baking is like entrepreneurship. And it's one of my favorite episodes. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should go listen to it. But I, while we were cooking, I was like, oh my God, I'm having like a different version of this kind of connection to to the experience of cooking to business the way that I had it a little bit with the sourdough one. So I thought it would be really fun to come in and and talk to you about this today because here's the thing. Cooking is something that everyone can relate to. I'm not saying that you have to be like a, a passionate home cook like me, like wanting to make gourmet meals or that you're a, you know, you want to be a chef or whatever. But I mean, there's a reality here, which is that like, you know, I, I, you got to cook something. You got to, you got to cook some food. I don't think everyone, you know, eats every meal out or takeout or whatever. I hope not. I hope you're not. So I thought it would be really relatable because sometimes I think that like the, the having a business entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call all of that, you know, that thing that we do. Um, I think that sometimes it can feel like the unknown, you know, like I work with people all day, every single day of and varying stages of their business, like all different, you know, points in their business. I literally had a call today, you know, a discovery call, whatever we want to call it, with someone about working with me who has not started her business yet. She's a certified coach. She graduated and she has never had a paying client. She never really started a business. She kind of got really busy with this new job that she, that she had gotten and her coaching business. So she's literally like a zero, zero starting from zero from scratch. And then I have other people that come to me who, you know, have, already had a bunch of one-on-one clients and they've got a business and they want to do new things. They want to do a group program. They want to launch something. They want to start expanding their visibility. They want to do more workshops and, 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 and courses and things, right? And then everything in between. And what I know from working with all of these people is that the how of business and the enigma of business and entrepreneurship can sometimes be really overwhelming because even if you get your business off the ground, every time you want to scale or grow your business, it feels like, uh-oh, I now it's something new. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. So what comes along with that is a lot of fear and a lot of um, kind of self-doubt or thinking that you don't know or comparison, like kind of looking around and thinking that everyone else is having such an easy time and you're the only one where it feels like, you know, things are taking longer than they should or, you know, or or whatever. So I'm going to give you a really, really fun lowdown right now 
of how of like how we can think about our businesses the same way that we would think about like cooking, right? Cooking food. Okay. So number one, step one, number one is that the same way that you would use a recipe, that is business strategy, right? And so all businesses need a recipe. You need to know like what your ingredients are and your ingredients for your business, just so that we're clear, are really knowing those foundational, those foundational pieces, right? What are the ingredients that are going to come together to create your business? Well, it's first of all, you, you're like the main ingredient, you, your gifts, your expertise, right? Your mission is part of that recipe, your niche, like who you work with, that's part of that recipe, your secret sauce, like (laughs) literally, like that's part of your recipe, your signature transformational system, like your, like what, what is the foundation of your work? Like what, what is everything stemming from when it comes to your offers and how you help people. That's your signature transformational system. That's part of the recipe. And all the things that you're going to do in your business, that's all part of the recipe. Your activities, right? The things you do. It's all part of the recipe of creating your business. So we all need to know what those, those things are, the ingredients, right? Everything has an ingredient. So the same way that a recipe or food, a dish has a recipe, your business has a strategy, which is a recipe. And the thing that I'm going to now talk about next is that when you have a recipe, and this is like what was really coming through for me, because what I gave Chip, like as far as like what I wanted to cook and what ingredients he should get even though I wasn't like literally looking at a printed recipe or bringing a printed recipe with me to the restaurant, these were things that I've made enough times that there's a recipe. The recipe might be in my head or maybe I might have even looked up a recipe at some point online to get like a base idea, whatever it is. But it's still like knowing that this combination of things is going to make something. It's like, right? It's like knowing that this combination of things is going to make something. And... When you only follow a recipe or, you know, like, like go like really, really like, um, like strict or think of it as the law, then what you're missing is the other part, which is like the, your, your, your taste, your intuition, like what you think, like when you taste it, what does it need? Right. And that's your, that's your intuition. That's your letting yourself not just stick to like the the plan, but to give yourself permission to to actually like tweak it or to like do it a little differently according to the moment or how things are going, because there's always going to be a variety, a variation, right, of an ingredient. Like you know when we when we were making the snap pea salad. Right. And before we were getting ready, I said to Chip, I was like, um, 
Well, I guess like we have to taste the snap pea to know if we're going to be able to just use it raw or if we're going to have to blanch it first, right? Because blanching a vegetable helps to kind of bring some of the color and the flavor to the surface. And sometimes like a raw vegetable needs a blanch in order for it to sort of be eaten raw. So sometimes when you eat a raw vegetable somewhere, this might, I mean, if you already know this and you're like, shut up, I know what you I know. I'm sorry if I'm telling you something you know. But sometimes when you go and you eat like a raw vegetable in like a nice restaurant, it's not totally raw. It's actually been blanched, right? It's been thrown into boiling water for a couple of seconds just to sort of like bring out that that color and that flavor. So anyway, so that's an example of like, you know, in the moment deciding, like, do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? Based on, like, what we're tasting, right? And weren't using, like, measurements necessarily. But when you bake, you have to use measurements. But when you're cooking, you don't always have to. You can, if you, once you develop your your palate and your taste buds and, and, and your intuition, you don't always need, like, exact measurements, right? And so I think in your business, One of the things that I see a lot is fear of using intuition. The fear of using your intuition, the fear that you can do something wrong. You know, now, I mean, if you're cooking a dish and you put in way too much salt, it's going to be hard to walk that back for sure. You're not, you know, you're not going to want to put that on the table. I get it. But the thing is, is that in a, or or look if you did that you just have to add a whole shitload more of other ingredients to like offset the salt right <clears throat> and i think that in in our businesses one of the things that i that i work with my clients on maybe like top 3 things is like trusting your intuition is is knowing that like when we put a strategy in place and say you're going to do this to attract people, you're going to do this to, to nurture and serve. You're going to do this to create the right offer and get people into it. That I can help you. And, and this is goes for me too. We can put strategies in place. We can look at what are the best practices, right? That's something that I feel I bring to the table for my clients is kind of like, look, these are the best practices for sure. I'm out there going, you know, working with high-level coaches, you know, keeping my finger on the pulse, right? Knowing, like, the best use of an email list, the best practices for launching things, the best practices for offers, including, like, best practices for program structure and stuff like that. And yet, one of the things that's the most challenging for me to work on with my clients is getting them to trust their intuition, Getting them to trust that even if you put the recipe together, the structure, the strategy of your program, and even if you like kind of know, you know, what you're going to do in the sessions or, you know, whatever, that you also have to allow for that room for intuition, for a change of plans, for throwing in a new ingredient, um, and that's a, a muscle, right? Your intuition is a muscle. The same way that your your palate or your taste buds when you're cooking, learning how to like, how to taste where you are and know like, what does it need? 
Does it need lemon juice? Does it need salt? Does it need pepper? Does it need vinegar? Does it need, like, what does it need? Does it need for the flavor to be brightened up? Does it need to be softened? Like, and that might take a lot of practice. And I think it's the same thing in your business. But it's about like trusting your taste, your taste buds. It's about trusting your intuition. It's about trusting that you're allowed to like know what works and doesn't work or what like what you like and don't like, you know? And my husband, who is comes from the hospitality industry, who's in a wine expert, you know, one of the things that um that I love about him when it comes to like Whenever we go out, you know, everyone knows Christopher's the wine expert. And that could be really intimidating for someone who loves to, like, choose a bottle of wine or or bring a bottle of wine to our house. Every time someone comes over, they, like, you know, hand over a bottle of wine and then they're like, I don't know if this is any good. You know, they're so worried that Christopher's going to, like, judge them. But the best thing about Christopher is, like, if something tastes good, it tastes good. You know, and you don't have to be a wine expert to— Take a sip of wine. You don't have to know. You don't have to say, oh, it has notes of, you know, of grass and, you know, a touch of dirt. (laughs) You know, you could just say, oh, I like this. It tastes good. Um, You're allowed to do that. And so I think developing your intuition, trusting your taste, trusting like your gut is something that you must be able to do in the kitchen and you must be able to do it in your business. It's like really, really important. All right, so the third way that cooking and being in the kitchen is like your business is that you're creating something that you should love for other people to love. I mean, unless you're cooking for yourself, you could be cooking for yourself. But when it comes to business, we're not just doing our business for ourselves. And I... I'm a huge advocate for like thinking of your offers and what you put out into the world for other people to want to either sign up for or pay for. Like it's, it's a creation. You're creating something. You're, you're using your creative energy, even in your marketing, when you put something on social media, when you write an email, when any way that you're putting yourself forward into the world is creative. You are using your creative energy and your creative energy is not only like when you hear the word creative, it's not meant for you to think of an artist only. Think about anything and everything that gets created by people. And in your business, you're creating offers and content that to be honest with you, that you should love so much so that other people will love it too. So embracing your your creativity, embracing the idea that you get to make something. Your business is an act of creativity. Your offers are an act of creativity. And if you think of, of, of all of this as your creative expression, Right. The way that like when I was telling Chip, you know, when we were we were talking about like, what was this menu going to be? And it was thinking about like, well, what do we want to give everyone that's going to be at the at the table? What do we want to create for them? What is it this that we're going to like put our heart and soul into your creative energy is when you take your heart and soul and you make something with it. 
And your heart and soul making something doesn't have to be, you know, like I said, a piece of art or something. It can be whatever it is that you're wanting to offer up to other people and say, hey, I made this for you. And I really think in our businesses, if we can think of our offers as something that we're making for other people with so much love, right? When I think about a program, an offer, whether it's a one-day workshop or a five-day challenge or my paid program, the academy. When I think about my Passionate and Prosperous Academy, my one-year group coaching program, the group business accelerator that I that I that I was that was in the making for for years, four years, and that is now here, and that you can be it, you can join at any time. I love that. I created something that I love so much. I poured my heart and soul. I still do. It's always in evolution. It's a heart and soul creation, but I'm doing it for you. That feels so good. And I think that like cooking is very similar, right? Okay, the fourth way that cooking and our businesses are very similar, is time. Nothing, nothing, look, you could be a short order cook for sure. You could have fast food. But what I'm using today as the analogy is actually not fast food, but it's actually the slow cook. That pork took like eight hours or like six hours to cook, right? I love making things that have to get on the stove or in the oven for hours, Right? I make this bolognese. That is not my recipe. It's a famous recipe by Marcella Hazan or Hazen. Um, the uh, she's a, an Italian. Uh, uh, you know, she she she's an Italian chef. She's got amazing um, recipes, and her bolognese is like to me like ridiculous. And it takes hours to make. It takes hours. So. Our, our businesses take time. Everything takes time. And, I, and what I notice about, about people that I work with, and I'm not going to say that I never have this thought, like I'm human too, and <laughs> I, I am human as if you didn't think I was. Um, I occasionally go, why, why is this taking so long, right? But the truth is that I've trained myself to know that like everything takes time. Everything takes time. Shit is long. Getting a business to be where you want it to be takes time. And, and, uh, and many people enter into their entrepreneurial journey or their service-based business journey or their coaching journey or whatever. And, you know, a couple months in, they're like discouraged, deflated, and really disillusioned. And that's why when I made that episode recently, we have an episode about going all in. And I and in that episode, what I talk about is how going all in does not always mean that you don't have a job, a day job. And I talk about that because I actually think that many people fuck themselves over by thinking that in order to start their new business, they should or have to quit their job, or maybe they're excited to quit their job, but they didn't realize that all, if all they had was about 
three to six months worth of money to fall back on. And then they realize that like in six months, a brand new business is not making either any or a lot of money, right? Then then that is that then you start acting from a place of desperation and scarcity and panic and fear in your business. And then really nothing's going to happen. So knowing that shit takes time, knowing that you're in this for the slow cook, right? You're getting into a slow cooker when you start your business or when you have a business. You got to think of it as like an oven. This is not like, you know, a, a, like a quick thing. This is something that like that you're spending time making And what happens when something takes more time to cook? The flavors develop. And in our case, that's your message and your and your brand and your content. Like think of the flavor as like you getting more and more and more. Your flavor comes to the surface. You discover more your voice and 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 how you see things and sh- and and showing up as your most authentic self. Man, that does not come easy. You don't start your business as your full out like most authentic self showing up, being visible, not caring what other people think, using all your like personality. It takes time to do that. Sometimes it's not just the slow cook. Sometimes it's the marinade. I have so I have one recipe that I love to make. It's this short rib recipe from a restaurant that is here in New York City called Il Buco Alimentari. And it's a it's a peppercorn crusted short rib recipe. And it you have to start like preparing it two days in advance. So like not the day before, but two days before. Right. And I have to like plan if I want to make that for like a special occasion or a dinner party, this this short rib recipe, I'm like looking at the calendar. I'm like marking out like how I'm going to fit in on the Wednesday morning. Like, let's say I want to serve this on like Saturday. I'm like on the Wednesday morning, I got to have time to do this. And then and I got to get my refrigerator ready to have room because I live in New York City and I don't have two refrigerators. Right. So this like I want you to think about that level of investment of time, energy, right? You know, I talk about time, energy, and money, but time and energy in your business, good food is like that. Your business is like good food. Okay, but then we're going to get to the heat of the moment part, right? So like here we were on Saturday, we got all of this stuff done in advance, but there were two things that really could only be, well, three things that really had to be done in, in the kitchen. We call it a la minute, at the minute, right? At the minute, at the minute or like really close to when it was going to be served. Because, and you know, when I'm planning um, a dinner party, just so you know, if I want to make sure that I can like enjoy and hang out at the dinner party, one of the things that I think about about my menu is, is whether or not it's food that I can mostly get ready in advance and still have it be good if I when I serve it rather than things that need me literally in the kitchen and kind of doing their final thing 
you know, like in the moment right before I'm serving it. So we had a couple of a la minute things. Number one, the snap pea salad. We really couldn't dress it until right before it was going to be served or that would make it like ruined and gross. Okay. But the shrimp really had to be cooked like a la minute. Okay. And I am the one who came up with what I wanted the shrimp dish to be. And I wanted the shrimp to be that we like uh, pan seared all the shrimp first. Okay. And then we, I made a sauce in the pan of an olive oil, garlic, paprika, um, um, uh, uh, fennel, uh, crushed fennel, and some, uh, obviously some salt, and then some espalette peppers to give it some heat, and like have to like kind of create and tomato paste and create this sort of like really like like you know delicious um, peppery, tomatoey, very Spanish uh, sauce that then we would toss the shrimp in, and that sauce had to be made like really fast. And those stoves in this kitchen were so fucking hot. It was so hot. It was so hot. And I was like a little bit like, oh my God, like I don't want to burn myself. Um, you know, these were like big, um, uh, you know, copper pans and everything. And so right before we served the shrimp, Chip and I are like side to side and he's doing the shrimp searing and I I'm like standing there at the ready. I've got all my ingredients, like making the sauce, you know, and I had this feeling of that. I do have these moments in my business. And I think we all do, which is like when we're in that final prep for like that talk or that workshop or, you know, like there's, there are these moments. And if you're not there yet, you might not be relating, but there are these moments when it's kind of like the show must, the show is about to happen, right? The show. Um, and it can feel like many different things can give you that feeling. Many, many different things can give you the feeling of like the show is about to happen and there's this sort of like flurry of activity to get ready and it's like the last minute and it's like, you know, then things are quick. And so on my when I was planning this out, I was like, that's like the heat in the kitchen moment, you know, like it's going to get hot. It's going to get hot. And it gets hot for me you know, a lot when I'm about to do a big event or, you know, like when I'm leading a big uh, free challenge or a free training or, or, you know, like when I'm getting worksheets and workbooks and things ready, because I really like for everyone in the academy to feel that the, that the experience in the academy is just exceptional. And so a lot of times I'm sort of like going, oh man, I want to give them another thing and I'm making it in the last minute, you know, and sending it off to my assistant. So there is this like, there is this relationship between that that kitchen moment and moments in our business. And we have to like be prepared for that and know that it's okay. That sometimes shit happens at the last minute or we have to like make an, um, like a redirect or, you know, just where there's that feeling of like, ah, you know, ah, there's a lot going on right now. All right. That's going to happen in your business. So expect it. It's, it's okay. You'll live and then it won't be that way the next, the next day, you know? Okay. So what's another way that we are, you know, that, that what we do in the kitchen and with cooking is, you know, similar to our business. Well, we're actually always perfecting it over time. And I do think like almost inevitably, every single time I make anything in the kitchen, 
I, all right, all right. Occasionally I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> Occasionally I'm like, everything is perfect. But I definitely am my own worst critic. And very often everyone else at the table will be like, this is amazing. And I'm sitting there going, it needs this or it didn't, you know, I wish it was this or that or texture or like a little more brightness or whatever. I'm very critical. But the good thing is that every single time I repeat, Something, I improve upon it because I go, oh, next time I'm going to like do this or I'm going to add this. And you know what? That is literally how I have run my business from day one. The Passionate and Prosperous Academy is the evolution of me constantly perfecting over time my original signature group program, which was called Out of Overwhelm and Into Action. And I ran out of overwhelm and into action six times before I created the one year Passion and Prosperous Academy. And every time I ran um, out of overwhelm, I improved upon it. It kept getting longer. I kept adding other things because every time I ran it, I'd be like, oh my God, they also need this. I want to make sure that I cover this, right? And then I added coaches so that everyone could have one-on-one coaching, you know, like every month rather than only like once when it was only with me. Um, And over time, every time I've run the program, I just keep making it better. I kept making it better and better. And And now, even in the academy, what I love is that it's like an evolving thing. Everyone in the academy knows if if they need something, they just like, hey, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, okay, yay, I'm going to make something. I'm going to create it so that I can make sure that it's there and available. Because in the academy, we don't want anybody to not know how to do anything and feel like they have to go out of the academy looking for it, seeking, posting in Facebook groups and all that shit. I don't want that. You, you don't know how to like hook up your lead magnet to your email marketing platform. No problem. We got you. You know, tech is one of the number one things that holds people back, right, in their business or their thinking. And that's one of the missions for me of the academy. I don't want anyone feeling like nervous or scared to have a business because of the tech. Okay, like like we can help you. There's nothing that you're not going to be able to figure out with our help. You know, that's my attitude. And I kind of feel that way about cooking. So this, okay, so two things. Number one, the perfecting over time. And number two, the technical skill. If you want to do something, this is like a new one. I didn't even have this on my sort of list. We're going to make this the next one. So first, perfecting over time. And now I'm adding, like, the skill. Like, Figuring out how to do things, the technical stuff. There's technical stuff in, in, in cooking. There are techniques. There's poaching, right? Poaching an egg. For some people, boiling the water feels like a big high-level technique, right? There's roasting and broiling and all kinds of, you know, things that, that you do in your cooking. There's all kinds of, of, of terms that are technical that could, like, throw you off. But the, guess what? You can learn them. You can figure out how to do them. You can watch a freaking YouTube video. There's ways of of learning the technical aspects. And everything has technical aspects. You know? It doesn't have to be high tech. You don't have to be... You don't have to be doing like crazy ass... You don't have to do sous vide cooking. I don't even want to do that. I have like so zero interest in that. I have zero interest in certain cooking techniques. I don't give a shit. I don't want to do them and so I don't. 
you know? So you don't have to do that either. But what you have to not be afraid of is the technique if you want to make something. If you want to do it, then you just have to know that like you can get, you can learn it and figure it out. All right. Now the last one is the way that like the cooking experience, at least for me, is so like business is that it's all about sharing and community. It's all about like creating a way for people to come together, creating a, something that helps to unite people. And that's how I feel about my business. I created my business to be a community. I created my business to, to bring people together. Now I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but I also have everyone in communities. The Passion and Prosperous Academy is a community. My, my, my mastermind that I have is a community. Um, and I really, really think that for me, like everything in my DNA, right? Like the fact that I was born to be a performer. What is that? Get in front of an audience. Create community. Yoga teacher, sit in a classroom. I don't like teaching. I taught lots of private yoga, just so you know. Because, listen, some people don't want to go to a class. Some people don't have time. Some people are busy. Like, some people, whatever. And so I taught many, 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 many people over many years private yoga. But I don't think that you ever get the true experience of, <clears throat> of yoga when you don't get to be in like a classroom. I'm just saying, I'm both, that's not totally true because I really love practicing yoga by myself. But I think what I'm talking about is like when you're like a service provider or a teacher, I think that there's great value in like in, in teaching in community and in, in creating that space for people. And the sharing, the sharing of your work, the sharing of your expertise, the sharing of your heart, the sharing of your purpose, the sharing of your passion is such a big part of what you bring to your business. The same way that you would put so much love into making chicken soup for someone who is sick or the same way that you would put so much love into baking a birthday cake. When you think about your business, that's the level of love it should feel like to you when you think about working with a client. What are you bringing to them? Like, and they should feel that your full heart is there. There. The gift. That's what we give people when we work with them. So I hope that this was inspiring to you to hear about cooking and food and how similar this is to like what we get to do in our businesses. And the reason why I love stuff like this, the reason why I love talking about cooking and, and, and business and baking, our sourdough and entrepreneurship and dating and business, why you should treat your business like you're, da you're dating. I have a few of these fun episodes. And you know, why do I make those episodes? Why do these things... Because I actually really believe that, like, when you really pull the lens back, there's not that many things in life. Like, the themes of life are kind of consistent, you know? Using your intuition, being creative, recognizing that things take time, 
showing up in that in that heat of the moment and 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 you know like rising to the occasion taking your time and perfecting things being gentle with yourself being like trusting that you can like that you know trusting that you know what tastes good you know like all of this is like it's just like big picture stuff and when you look at 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 so many different applications or things or whatever um we can apply some we can see these things everywhere these are like the themes of living the themes of of shit the themes of what is at the essence and the heart of everything and we should look for those things it's why i have an episode on the seasons in your business on the ebbs and flows you know um rhythm harmony like these these themes that that have exist around us are everywhere and when we can look for those things and see how they apply to our businesses because being an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, being in service, um, being visible, putting yourself out there, you know, saying that you can help other people. These are all things that really require a tremendous amount of self-trust and confidence and worthiness and, um, and intuition and, you know, believing and connecting and going beyond the outgoing mind and the things that like separate us, you know, everything about yoga is about union, about uniting. And I'm not saying that like you're, you have to like love every single person, you know, in the world and not have thoughts and opinions or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think that if you're in a service-based business and if you're in the business of helping others and coaching or whatever, there's there's probably an underlying piece of you that really does know that operating from the place of like love, connection, and togetherness is the ultimate foundation for your business. And when I make these comparisons or these analogies to like cooking a meal, because that's about love and 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 generosity and connectedness, you know? All right. So that was fun for me. I hope it was fun for you. And uh, as always, you know what? I'm not going to lie. Like when I was making this episode, I was like, I think I'm going to have some my next like free workshop or training at the end of July or beginning of August. And so when this comes out, it's probably around the time that I'm already have something coming up. I just don't know what it is as of today. But by the time you're listening, there's probably something out there for you to come to, including buying a ticket for Passion and Prosperous Live on October 27th and 28th. Actually, that I, I'm pretty sure will be available for you uh, by this time. And so come to New York, man. Come be with me. Come and we'll have good food. Right? My event has good food. I'm sure that's not surprising to you. And we'll go to that and you could go to that restaurant, which is going to be open by then. It's going to be called Ulali. E-U-L-A-L-I-E. All right. I'm going to shut up. I will be in your headphones next week. I am sending you all the love. Um, That's it. Bye. Thank you so 
so much for listening to Passionate and Prosperous with me, Stacey Brass Russell. If you like what you're listening to, please make sure you're following or subscribing. And if you're on Apple, that's the little plus sign on the top right so that you get notified when new episodes drop every Wednesday. As always, I'm sending you love and high vibes. And remember, life is hard and there's always something you can do about it.